0: What's up, church family? How y'all doing? Good. Good. Y'all ready for tonight? I don't know if I'm ready, but uh, maybe you are. Um, tonight, we're going to look at a passage in the book of Mark. So you can turn there real quick, Mark chapter 3. And as you do that, um, we're going to do something real quick. But tonight's Bible study is called Stretch It Out. Everyone say, Stretch It Out. Stretch it out. Oh, say it a little bit louder. Stretch it, Stretch it Out. A little bit louder. Stretch It Out. Awesome. Everybody, Mark chapter 3, say amen if you're there. Alright, now everybody's there. When you get there, say amen. Awesome. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to stretch it out. You guys ready to do this? You sure? Okay, I'm going to have everyone stand up. I'm serious here. We're going to have everyone stand up. And you can choose your way to stretch. Okay? So you can stretch like this. You can stretch like this. If you're adventurous, you can stretch like this. Okay? So I want you to find a stretch that is comfortable for you, and I want to do something comfortable, okay? So whether it's like this, whether it's like this, everyone has to be stretching, though. Point out anyone who's not stretching, okay, and hold that position, okay, hold it, ready? Everybody there, all right, good. So I want you to now do is go a little bit further. Ready, one, two, three, go, ah! Until it's uncomfortable, say, it's uncomfortable! Okay, one more time, ready, set, go! Okay, and hold it, is that comfortable? Is it comfortable? I'm gonna keep holding you, having you guys hold it. Is it it comfortable? Okay, give someone a high five. Say, that was uncomfortable. Say, that was uncomfortable. Awesome. So, hopefully, it is gonna make sense. So, I had you stretch yourself, correct? And for most of you, the first stretch was pretty comfortable, right? Then I asked you to stretch a little bit further, and you felt it, right? And then I had you stretch as much as you can, correct? And then it was a bit uncomfortable. And I pray tonight that when the Lord stretches your faith with whatever that might be in your life, that the discomfort would not stop you from obeying God. Please don't let discomfort or uneasiness or worry or doubt prevent you from obeying God. God. Tonight, as we look at this passage, I pray that you would see what that has for you. Um, As I said that, you had a choice, didn't you? Now, was I the one who made you stretch? I asked you, correct? But you chose, what, to obey or not obey? I saw some of y'all just standing there like this. That's okay. Rebellious. No, just, but you chose, right? It was your choice. In the same way, when God speaks a word, You have the choice, what, to obey or disobey. And I pray tonight as God is stretching out our faith. And I want to tell you, he stretches out our faith to grow us, right? Anyone here remember puberty, right? Anyone want to forget about puberty, right? But as your body became longer, what happened? Sometimes in your legs there were stretch marks, right? Maybe in your arm if you have lifted weights. Stretch marks show that you've grown, my brothers, my sisters, some of us, we have some stretch marks that, shown, that has shown us that we've grown, haven't we? You are not the same person you were when you first got saved, were you? You're different. God has transformed me and is transforming you even now. And so I pray that as God stretches your faith to believe him, to trust him more, that you would do that. And you would understand what he has for you. In Mark chapter 3, just going to look at uh, six verses, very familiar passage, the story of the man with the withered hand. How many have heard this story before, correct? Yes? Okay, good. If you haven't, we're going to read through this and see what God has for us today. It says, verse 1 says, and he entered the synagogue again. Who is it referring to? Anyone? Take a wild guess. Who? Jesus, right? And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. Then he said to him, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. Everyone say that. Stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. Everyone stretch out your hand. Let me say that. Okay, good, 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 good. All right, good. And what did the man do? And he says, and he stretched it out. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy and how you want to grow us. And how, God, by stretching our faith, we draw closer to you. And I ask you now, God, show us how much faith we have. And God, we have little faith. Increase our faith. God, give us faith to trust what you say. So we thank you, Lord. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, it is necessary for you to stretch your faith. Faith is what? That belief. Faith is that assurance, that confidence in the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith shows a reality of what we hope for. It's believing without seeing. And faith is as that no matter what the situation, even though we can't see it in our lives, God is working. The author of Hebrews, he lays out in chapter 11 uh, a list of Bible characters, men and women who displayed God's work in their life. It's called the Faith Hall of Fame, right? It lists out men and women who believed in God no matter what. In verse 6, It simply says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Faith is absolutely essential to our faith, to our Christian walk. Faith is powerful, isn't it? The Bible says if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, what? We can move. Anyone need a mountain moved in their life today? The Bible says faith. That trust, that confidence in the Lord, that there's nothing impossible for him to do. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek him first and his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Who do you seek first? Him. So faith has everything to do with how we walk with the Lord. And I believe it's important that you understand tonight God wants to stretch your faith. So what prevents us from that stretching? Because it's uncomfortable. We don't want to push beyond our normal limits. You and I have what's called a comfort zone. Anyone know what that is? How many here are sitting where they normally sit? That's your comfort zone. This is is where you roll. This is where you feel good, right? That comfort zone is where you feel safe, at ease, without any stress, right? Right? And with our faith, God wants us to stretch beyond our comfort zone. Because that's where we see growth. That's where we see progress. I want you to think about your comfort zones in life. I have a lot, right? Uh, there's a specific seat that I sit in my home. There's a specific place that I park. Um, there's certain things that I listen to that I watch. Things that I eat. There's such a thing called comfort food. Anyone have comfort food? Comfort food. On the count of three, name your favorite comfort food. One, two, three. Pizza, right? Okay. All right? So that's your co- Why? Because it makes you feel good. It brings comfort. You and I have these comfort zones in our life. We also have spiritual comfort zones. Maybe tonight God wants to stretch your faith in your prayer life. Maybe your prayer life has been the same lately. Maybe a bit repetition. Maybe you change the words here and there, but it's essentially the same prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to That's a horrible prayer, isn't it? And if I die before I wake? I mean, what kind of... But, brothers and sisters, let's get beyond. Let's stretch a little bit in our prayer life. Maybe in your financial giving. You've been giving good if you're here on Thursday night and you're here to get whooped by giving, right? Like we get used to giving a certain way, but maybe God wants to change that. Maybe when it comes to sharing your faith, you sharing your faith is God bless you. Ooh, what if God says, say, Jesus loves you. Are you willing to stretch your faith a little bit more? Spiritual comfort zones. We all have them. And chances are, there are things that you and I have in our life, which I call a spiritual comfort zone. How many here have no problem praying out loud in a group of people, right? How did that come to be? The very first time, maybe you prayed out loud, it was uncomfortable. Maybe you're looking around to see if anyone's looking. Maybe you're kind of peeking, I spy with my little eyes, someone staring at me. It was uncomfortable. What happened? As you began to pray more and more out loud, guess what? it became less uncomfortable and more comfortable. There are things in our Christian walk that over a period of time, if I continue to do it, guess what? I stretch my faith and I grow. Let's look at the area of worship. We just, we just did that. Some of you stood. Some of you lifted your hands. I remember the first time that I uh, spent some time in worship. I was in college. I was at a retreats. People were lifting their hands, they were swaying, they were kneeling, and they were doing all of this. And I remember myself there and I felt either the Holy Spirit or peer pressure. I didn't know what it was. And I felt like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna worship. My first time worshiping and what I do, I'm looking around and I and I lift up my hand. Boop, right? Look around again, okay, close my eyes. Okay, let me do the other hand, let me do the other hand. Boop. All right. Okay, here we go, here we go. And I says, Holy Spirit, take over. And I close my eyes, bam, 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 right? And how did that come? It was uncomfortable in the beginning. I didn't like how it felt, I didn't like sticking out. But now, I have no shame to proclaim the name of Jesus. How did that happen? God was stretching my faith. See, Stretching our faith causes us to step out of our comfort zone. Why? So we can draw close to the Lord. Stretching our faith causes us to step outside of our comfort zone. And where do we head? We get closer to Jesus. And I pray that tonight, that's the goal tonight, that you would get closer to Jesus. I pray that you would stretch your faith beyond your limited thinking. Maybe you think a certain way. and God says, I want you to think outside the box. I want you to think beyond fear, beyond worry, beyond doubt. Stretch beyond those walls. Stretch beyond those negative voices that have been replaying in your mind. And maybe tonight, God's saying, no more playing safe. As Pastor Jeff normally says, take a holy risk and see what God wants to do. Tonight, God may be saying, do something. Or he might say, stop doing something. He may say, say something. Stretch your faith and maybe stop saying something. God may say, give something away. God may say, love someone who's difficult to love. I don't know what that is, but God may be speaking that to you. And as we look at this passage tonight, it's a story about a man with an ailment, a withered hand. And he encounters Jesus. And in the midst of this encounter with Jesus, there's people who have it in for him. As we look at this, Mark sets the scene. When Jesus enters the synagogue again, there is this man with this withered hand. It's Sabbath. It's a synagogue in Capernaum. And among the worshipers is a man with a withered hand. That whole idea of withered. It's like a plant in the midst of a sun scorch, uh, a place where the, the sun is scorching on it. It's without water. right? It's wilted. If we think of a hand that's wilted, it's uh, deprived of, of blood flowing in and through it. It's maybe a bit shrunken. Tradition says, a historian by the name of Jerome says this, More than likely, this man was a stonemason stonemason was a man who would cut, prepare, and build with stone. If this paralysis was the case, it would affect his well-being. Paralysis, we know, is a condition where you're not able to move, where your nerves in that particular part of your body are non-functioning. So if he was a stonemason, not able to use his hands, guess what? It didn't only affect him physically, but what? Financially, he couldn't work. Maybe emotionally, he maybe felt like he couldn't provide for his family. Even if he wasn't a stonemason, back during that time, most men worked with their hands, right? A carpenter works with his hands. A farmer works with his hand. A man with a withered hand is unable to work. I love this in the sense that that's who Jesus was looking for. A maybe, maybe a man who didn't have it all together. Maybe tonight your life is a bit withered. There's some dryness to it. There used to be juices and blood and, and vibrancy and joy flowing, but lately it's been a bit dry. Maybe a bit withered. Maybe a bit wilted. Because that living water hasn't been poured on it. And maybe tonight, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Take something that is lifeless and to give it life. There's this transformation that's going to happen as we read through this tonight. But it's not only the withered man, man with the withered hand that's there. But guess who's also there? The religious, religious rulers. See, they had heard about this story about this man from Galilee. He had been working these miracles and these wonders. So the Sanhedrin sends a delegate of Pharisees and scribes. They're almost like, This Jesus? He's getting too much attention. Something needs to happen. We need to send somebody to go down and check out what's going on. And so these Pharisees and those scribes are there. Uh, this group of individuals, they're interpreters of the law, they're the self appointed law enforcers. And they kept to the law meticulously. They kept all the smallest details of the law. And according to their interpretation, they've seen Jesus. And Jesus is a rebel. He's a lawbreaker. How is he going to break the law? It's the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, you don't work. You don't do anything. You don't even heal. That's almost kind of one of those things that's impossible for Jesus not to do, right? Jesus heals. But it's interesting that they go to this synagogue where this man with the withered hand is going to be. It was almost like a setup. They're waiting, watching to see what's going to happen. Because they do know this. If Jesus is going to be in the synagogue and there's a man with a withered hand, guess what? They believe that Jesus is going to heal him. They understood as Jesus entered the crowd that he's always interested in the one who's most needy. It's as if his critics, these religious men, they knew he had the power to heal. They recognized that Jesus, what Jesus could do is almost as if they had the knowledge, but it didn't draw them to Jesus. See, these men didn't come to worship in the synagogue; they came to watch Jesus. These men didn't. Uh, con- come to connect with God, but they came to confront Jesus. These men weren't trying to find truth. They were trying to find fault in Jesus. But one thing I have to say is I I realize learning a lesson from these legalists is that they didn't doubt that Jesus was going to help this man. I want you to remember that. These are men who merely watch from the outside what Jesus has done and what he's going to do. Remember that the next time you're faced in a situation where it looks like Jesus won't meet your need. Let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, Jesus always shows up. He always meets the need. He desires to, to heal the hurt. He desires to bind up the wounds. He desires to restore your strength. Jesus um, desires to straighten out situations, doesn't he? And maybe at night you're hurting. Let me tell you this Jesus leaves the 99 for the one. Jesus is close to the brokenhearted. Wherever you're sitting, I love this. If Jesus were here, not because Jesus is here, <laughs> not if he is here, he's going to find you. Do you realize that tonight? You came for a Bible study, but guess what? God has come to heal you, and he's looking. And he knows how you need to be healed. Maybe it is a withered hand, a withered life. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's a physical ailment. Whatever it is. So Jesus, when he came in that synagogue, he looked around, he saw the man with the withered hand, and he made eye contact. And all these religious rulers were watching. This man was stuck in this controversy. In, in spite of his med- medical Dilemma. There is some drama going on. These religious rulers were out to get Jesus. And Jesus says to the man real simply, Step forward. Step up. Come on, sir. I thought it's kind of interesting. Here is this synagogue with all these religious people and one man with a withered hand, and Jesus calls him out. He points him out and says, come forward. It was almost like Jesus saying, I want everyone to see what's going to happen in this place. I want everyone to be a witness of this man. And maybe his hand hand is just dangling. Maybe it's lifeless. Maybe it's limp. I don't know. But it was obvious there was something wrong with this man. And Jesus said, step forward. Step away from the crowd and step forward. You know, one of the most beautiful things that I get to see or we get to see is when someone gives their life to the Lord. Maybe at a Harvest Crusade or a Bible study, someone gives an altar call and someone walks down. Guess what? They step forward and said, I need help. I need Jesus. It's an act of humility. See, this man stepping forward wasn't that God wanted to humiliate him. Jesus wanted to show off what was going to happen. Do you realize that? When things happen in your life and it seems as if you're in the middle, it opens the door for people to see Jesus. Anyone here going through a trial, a difficulty? It's okay, raise your hand, raise your hand. You're going through, guess what? In the midst of your difficulty, Jesus wants to show up And show people how great he is in your life. For this man with the withered hand, that's what Jesus wanted to do. And as he stepped forward, he wanted everyone to see that this man with the withered hand, there's a miracle that's going to occur. Jesus then turns to the religious rulers and he says this. Hey, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill it. Jesus points this provoking question to them and he says, guess what guys, you're trying to nail me on on healing this man on the Sabbath when I ask you, uh, is it lawful, is it okay to do good or evil? Obviously it's never good to do evil, right? But here Jesus is going to heal this man And in their mind, in their small frame mind, in their comfort zone, they're not able to see a miracle. Has that ever happened to you? You get so involved in all this stuff, there's a miracle in the midst of you and you miss it. Because you got all caught up in everything else that's been going around. Jesus says, is it lawful to kill, right? Or to save? Jesus has this opportunity to save this man's life, to save his hand. And all that these men are concerned about are accusing Jesus. One of the laws would be if something were to happen, let's say you get cut, right? You can stop the bleeding, but you can't put a bandage on. That's how legalistic the thought was. And as I start to think about this, as I start to think about these men were so concerned about these small details that they missed the Messiah. Jesus was giving an opportunity to respond to what they were going to see. The Bible says they kept silent. Silence says a lot, doesn't it? Have you been in a conversation with someone and it escalates? Husbands and wives, you can relate to this. And all of a sudden, your spouse gets silent. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's not such a good thing, right? That means something is going on. What's happening here? Jesus makes this statement, and the Bible says, and they became silent. As they became silent, what happens with Jesus? The Bible says, and he looked around at them with anger. Being grieved by the hardness of their heart. Jesus wasn't angry at their silence. Jesus wasn't even angry at their legalism. He was angry at the, the fact that their hearts were so hard that they couldn't see Jesus. Right? This was a perfect opportunity for the critics of Jesus to change their minds about him, to change their mind about their traditions. But they refused, they became silent. Most of us know in John chapter 2 when Jesus comes in the temple and they have all the money changers, correct? And he turns the tables, right? It's known as righteous anger. Why? Because this holy place has been defiled. There's moments in the life of Jesus where you see he's, he became angry, not for himself, but when it's, we take the things of God and we make it common. Can I just tell you this, my brothers and sisters? that this book that each of us have is holy. Yes, it's a book with pages and a cover. But what's behind this book, the Spirit of God that inspired the words on this book, is holy. May this never become common for us. May we always read this and say, God, this is your way to speak to me. That we would understand the weight, the, the gravity, the glory in the Word of God. That his word is to be magnified, even above his name. And so, church, let's, let's not take these things common. Come into church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. It's a privilege, isn't it? Why is that? There are people in this world who cannot do what we're doing here. They can't. I remember the first time we went to India, and there was an underground church, a house church, and we were going to visit. And we had to get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, take a bus, quietly walk there. And it was in the midst of the slums. And it was a Monday morning. They had a, an early, I think, 5 or 6 a.m. prayer meeting. Okay? Because it had to be done prior to when everyone gets up. And as we started walking there, you could hear the drums. And you could hear the people worshiping. And this little tiny space, little box area, in there there are people on their knees, on the ground. I want to say in this small space there are more than at least 70, 75 people worshiping God. My brothers and sisters, there's places in this world where they can't do this. Don't ever take advantage of this. Remember This is a privilege that God has given us as Americans to be able to do this. See, Jesus gave them the opportunity to change their mind, but they decided not to. Jesus now turns his attention back to the man. He says, come forth, step forward, man. As he comes forward with his arm probably dangling, this is what he says. He says, simply stretch out your hand. Okay. What a loaded, loaded statement. Stretch out your hand. You're saying stretch out your hand to a man who can't move his withered, paralyzed hand. Don't you know that, Jesus? Jesus commanded him to stretch out his hand. And there is a time to respond, right? Did he respond immediately, I think? Did he delay Did this man with the withered hand, did he have to think about it? Did he call his friends like, what do you think I should do? Did he get advice? Did he pray about it? When Jesus speaks, it's important for us to listen to his voice. And I'll tell you this sometimes he'll say, be silent and wait. And sometimes God will say, get up and go, move forward. His voice will always lead us. And it's never a voice of confusion. There's always an assurance or clarity in God's voice. That's still small voice. And maybe you've been this way. Maybe in life you've prayed, God, help me make a decision. And he shows you already what that decision is, but you don't want to make that decision yet. And what you tell every, I'm still praying about it. I'm still praying. One day, one week, one month, one year. And you're still waiting on when God says, get up and go. God has the power to open doors, and God has the power to close doors. Could you imagine what's going on in this man's head? God puts him front and center in the synagogue. The man with the withered hand, and Jesus says, stretch out your hand. I'm just going to play it in my mind. Jesus says, stretch your hand, right? He's like, Jesus said, what? Stretch out my hand? Jesus, do you see My hand, I can't move. This is physically impossible. I can't do this. Do you know how long my hand has been like this, Jesus? I can't even feel it anymore. Jesus, it's impossible. Don't tell me to do something impossible, Jesus. We're not even sure if this man even knew who Jesus was. Maybe it's like, Jesus, don't you know, I've tried everything. i prayed. I've waited. I went to physicians. I've done everything I could, and I'm still in the same situation. And now, Jesus, you're telling me to stretch out my hand. I wonder in his head, he's like thinking, well, what if I do? What if I stretch out my hand and in the midst of all these people, nothing happens. What if nothing happens? Then I'll be made a fool of. Imagine that. Has anyone here been in those situations where you've argued with the Lord? I use the term loosely, where you've gone back, you've debated with God. That's probably a better way. God, if I do this, but what if it doesn't work? Has Jesus asked you to stretch out your hand lately? Has he asked you to stretch out your faith? What's been your response? Anyone good at giving excuses? I am. Well, God, you see, you know, on Tuesday, that's when I have to get my car washed. And, you know, I know that's the day you want me to do that. I love the Bible. It's full of people with excuses. Jeremiah, I'm too young. I'm afraid of the face. I can't. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Peter walking on water. I Remember that passage, right? Jesus says, and I love it, Jesus doesn't say much. Jesus is there, and he sees, Peter sees Jesus walking on water. And he says, Lord, if it's really you, then tell me, tell me to walk with you. And Jesus just says, come. Imagine Peter in the boat, looking around, Jesus walking on water, And all that Jesus says, one word, come, then, come. He gets out, and he begins to walk on water. I wonder what was going through Peter's mind. Remember, he's a fisherman. He's been on these waters before. He's never seen anyone walk on water. But for whatever reason, Jesus is now walking on water, and Jesus calls Peter to come. You think Peter was a little uncomfortable in that? You think Peter was like debating, should I, shouldn't I? What if I step out and I immediately sink and drown? The beauty in all this, Jesus called him to come. It was initiated by Jesus. God's commandments reminds us that he's able I don't know about you, but if I can truly grasp when Jesus says come, he's calling me because he knows I can do it. He knows I'm capable of doing that. If I can truly grasp and understand that when God calls me, when he makes a promise, he keeps that promise. Philippians 1:6 says that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. It's a promise. So my brother, my sister, if you're struggling in your walk tonight, God keeps his promise. You may be having some speed bumps, some potholes in life. He gets you from point A to point B, from the point of accepting to heaven. It's done. Don't let the enemy tell you differently. Ephesians chapter 3 talks about he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or think. God wants to blow your mind in your life. Don't live a common life. Live a life extraordinary for the Lord. See, the benefits of us stretching. What happens to a muscle that is regularly stretched? It becomes flexible, right? What else? It becomes efficient. It becomes stronger. It grows. I want us to think about that should apply to our own walk with the Lord. If I stretch my faith, I want to be flexible. As the Holy Spirit stretches me out, I want him to show me what to do. Uh, That I become stronger in my walk as I exercise my faith, as I step out like Peter did, guess what? I'm going to grow. But what's the danger of not stretching? There's a word called atrophy. Anyone ever heard that? It's when a muscle is not used; it becomes smaller because you're not using it as often. When I was in college, I had uh, an ankle injury, and I was attending Cal State Long Beach, and so for about a month, month and a half, I had to be on crutches, and I couldn't even drive. I had someone to drive had I had a Jeep Wrangler, a stick shift, so I couldn't even drive, and so I had to get a ride. And so I remember being on campus. Have you ever been? There was a lot of stairs. There was a lot of walking. And so on my crutches, right, this leg would be like this, and I'd be using my left leg the whole time. After I got off the crutches, guess what happened? My left leg was all muscular and strong, and my right leg was like this little twig. Why? Because I was using the muscles in this left leg. Maybe tonight... You experience a little atrophy in your walk with God because this faith hasn't been stretched, hasn't been used in a while. And maybe it's time to get back into the gym of God's word and start exercising your faith again. God, I love this, God will ask you to stretch, but he will not ask you to stretch more than you're able to. See, God wants us to stretch our faith muscles. And I want to share three things tonight, and they're from the Old Testament. I want to look at three characters of the Bible, three men in the Bible specifically, who exercise, who stretch their faith. The first individual I want you to look at is Abraham. See, when things don't make sense, stretch your faith because God knows what he's doing. When things don't make sense, All of us know uh, Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, right? He was given a promise by God. In his old age, he and Sarah, what? They would bear a son. And out of their son, anyone know the name of their son? Isaac would what? The descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky and the uh, the sand in the shore, That was God's promise, and now His faith is being tested. In Genesis chapter two, God says, "I want to take your son, your one and only son, Isaac. I want you to take him to the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice him." Totally contrary to the promise. How can God make a promise and give the gift of Isaac, and then go now go back on His word? His faith was tested. His faith is being stretched. But I love this. In that passage, if you get a chance, Genesis chapter 22, before they take the trek on the mountain, what does does, uh, Abraham say? Me and the lad, we're going to be back. He didn't know how, but he believed God's promise. That even though God's saying, go and sacrifice your son, hold on to the promise. And my brothers and sisters, maybe you just got to hold on to the promises of God tonight. No matter how it looks. Maybe if it doesn't make sense. Maybe someone you love has drifted so far away, nothing's impossible for God. Verse 10, it says this simply. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. What does God say? Don't lay a hand on the boy. Now I know that you truly fear God. And then there's a ram in the thicket, and God says that's a sacrifice. So what do you do when things don't make sense? Stretch your faith. Why? Because God knows what he's doing. Even if the way that God is leading doesn't seem to make sense. From our perspective, you think God's timing is off. You know, you're wandering, you're wondering if we can trust him. God knows our way, and he sees the big picture, and he has something great in store for us. And though it may not be what what I would have chosen for myself or the way I would have done things. God is sovereign. God will oftentimes put situations that don't make sense in my life to remind me to stretch my faith. You know why? Because he knows I can do it. God doesn't allow me to stretch farther than I'm able to. God knows my capability. Um, Being a dad, uh, I dish out chores to my four kids in the house. And for each child, I have specific things I have them do. Vacuum, wash dishes, sweep, mop, and it's based on their ability. Correct? I'm not going to have my five-year-old son... Uh, wash my car. Okay? That's just not it. Because I know what he's capable of. I'm not going to have my seven-year-old daughter put all the dishes on the highest shelf because she's not capable of doing it. In the same way, God is not going to tell you to do something that's beyond your capability, that's beyond your limits. But he'll ask you to stretch. He'll ask you to step He'll ask you to move forward. And why? Because it's going to cause growth in your life. And I love this. The things I ask my children to do, I know they can do it. They may not. I'll call out their names, so-and-so, you know, JJ, Micah, Izzy, Shiloh, I want you to do this. And sometimes what they'll say, I can't. Oh, no, yes, you can, right? If not, you got something coming to you. No, joking. But but. Why? Because I know their capability. They may not think they're able to do it. We were on a vacation a couple weeks ago, and we took a little day hike in Big Sur. And don't trust everything you read on, on the internet. It says, kid-friendly hike, right? And you get to walk through the little streams, and there's a waterfall at the end. At the end of this, this is not even friendly to me. How can this be kid-friendly, right? And then we get there, and I'm like, We have to walk back, right? But going there, I realized I know my kids, they can do this. God knows what you're capable of, and He's never gonna stretch you beyond what you're able to do, beyond your limits. It's kind of like the difference between a rubber band, right? A rubber band, you can stretch it to a certain degree, and guess what? If you stretch it too far, it's gonna break, right? And let's say a bungee cord, which is a little bit thicker, you can try real hard to, to try to uh, stretch it as far as you can, but more than likely because it's thicker, it's stronger, it's not going to break. See, if God is in the midst of you, you're not going to break. God knew that Abraham could hang. He wouldn't have given it to Abraham. He wouldn't have said, go sacrifice your son if he knew Abraham couldn't handle it. God will not ask you to do something that you cannot do. Do you agree agree with that? Anyone agree with that? Say amen. amen. All right, good. So if you're agreeing about this, if this is true, then what should you know when God tells you to do something? He's not going to give you more than what you can handle. And why? Because he's given you his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you the capacity to do so much more than you realize. When things don't make sense and your faith is tested, trust and obey and he'll work it out. Vance Havner says, faith will not always get for us what we want, but it will get what God wants us to have. In this passage, for Abraham, God gave Isaac. And it seemed like God was going to take away Isaac. But in the beautiful passage, it shows that God was just testing Abraham's faith. When you're faced with an obstacle, stretch your faith. God can turn it into an opportunity. The second person we're going to look at is Moses. Uh, Most of us know the story of Moses. He was called by God um, to lead the Israelites out of slavery from Pharaoh and from Egypt. The plagues let my people go. And when Pharaoh releases them, they get to this body of water called the Red Sea. But they're not able to pass. There is an obstacle in their way of freedom. They have two options. Either cross or die. The Bible says the Egyptians and Pharaoh, the horses and chariots, were pursuing the Israelites. Imagine that. The things for the Israelites were looking pretty dark, yet God had a plan. In the midst of those obstacles, I'm going to encourage you uh, to be courageous. See, the goal isn't that I would not have fear. There will always be fear in our life. My goal is that the fear doesn't stop me from obeying God. Don't ever let fear of the unknown, fear of of a job, fear of a person, prevent you from obeying God. See, M- Moses did not allow the Red Sea to prevent him from seeing that. And the beautiful thing, I love this, it gave the Israelites an opportunity to see the Lord. It says that Moses says, Don't be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He will accomplish for you today. And so what does Moses do? He stretches his hand over the sea, and he divides it. And guess what? The Israelites cross over. If we focus way too much on the problem and the obstacle and the distraction, it will prevent us from seeing the hand of God and the opportunity for him to work. See, the Israelites, they were terrified. They saw the enemy coming. They doubted their leader. They complained. They questioned God. Does that sound familiar? And God shows up and he parts the Red Sea. When you're facing an obstacle that's bigger than yourself, it's impassable, invite God. Ask God to come in, ask God to fight your battles, ask God to show up and create an opportunity for you to see him. When you're confronted with loss, stretch your faith and do the impossible. Can do me a favor, turn to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 17. And I want to share and, and, and kind of end this with this. 1 Kings chapter 17. It's a story about Elijah. He was a prophet. And God brings them to a point where he's lodging, he he he's a boarder, he's renting a little space with this widow who has a son, and you know the passage uh, real simply talks about how he sees this woman and he asks this woman, can you fetch me some water? And this woman is 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 so obedient, she fetches him some water, and he says, woman, um, give me some bread, make me a cake, and this woman says, but I have, I'm running out of oil. And what does Elijah say? Go home and check it out. You're going to have enough oil for yourself. And so, what happens in this passage is that he comes and he lodges with her, and she's able to provide him with nourishment. But something happens. In the midst of this, her son becomes sick. And in the midst of her son becoming sick, he dies. This woman obviously is distraught. She's thinking, Man of God, what have you done? Have you come here to point out my sins and to kill my son? That's her response to Elijah. And Elijah, who is there, he takes the boy aside and he prays and he inquires of God. He says, What's going on here, Lord? Here's this widow who's been taking care of me physically. And now you take her son? I I love this. I I love the honesty of the Bible characters. He just inquired of God. He wasn't he wasn't saying, God, how could he's like, God, I don't I don't get it. And there are a lot of moments in life when you're like, I don't understand God. It doesn't make sense. Loss. Loss of a loved one. Loss of a job. Loss of a relationship. There's a lot of things that we can look at and say, I've lost. And this is what Elijah does in verse 21. Interesting, it says, And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Unlike Moses, unlike Abraham, God doesn't say to do this. Did God say, Stretch out yourself on the boy? It's not documented. And I wonder what what, what would possess Elijah to stretch out of the boy three times? And I'm not sure. But I would venture to say that Elijah just knew he had to do something. See, there are moments, and maybe you can attest to this, there's moments in life when you don't know what to do. John Corson says, do what you know and you'll know what to do. If you keep doing what you're doing, when the time comes like this, you'll know what to do. If you can stretch your faith and maintain your prayer life and your reading of the Bible and coming to church and worshiping Jesus, guess what? When a moment comes like this in loss, you'll know what to do. There are moments in life that you can't necessarily explain, moments in life when you just don't know what to do. But if you've been stretching your faith and allowing God to do that, when a moment like this comes, you pray. So Elijah, he stretches himself on the boy three times. And I wonder if it's like this. Okay, God, stretch myself once. Ta-da! Nothing. Twice. Nothing. Three times. But here's the thing. Then he prays. Was it the fact that he stretched out three times on the boy? I don't think so. I think the reason why the boy came back to life Elijah prayed and he asked God let this child's soul come back to him God was stretching Elijah's faith if you're a parent here is is your is your child spiritually dead numb to the things of God pray Spouse, is your husband or wife drifting away from God? Pray. Maybe your parents, maybe your friend is lost, headed for destruction. Pray. See the solution? Pray for them. Make contact with them. Love on them. And it will surprise you what the Lord will do when you lay down your life for your friends life comes back and way too often we're willing to say i pray but are we willing to lay down our life when you're confronted with loss stretch your faith and god will do the impossible he will bring back to life that which is dead so how does this all end? The Bible says, "This man with the weathered hand, he stretches it out, and his hand is restored, just as whole as the other one." He chose to obey, and it wasn't only just healed, but it was made just as good as the other one. But I love, he had to stretch out his hand in faith. It wasn't when Jesus spoke that it was healed. He was healed in obedience to what Jesus said. And once he stretched it out, that's when it was was made whole. Oftentimes I want to say, God, heal me first, then I'll go. God, provide the finances, then I'll step out in faith. God, I'll serve you, but get me married. God, I'll I'll give to missions but bless me financially. See, the key isn't what what I'm going to do, but what God has already done for me. And me out of my pure obedience unto the Lord. See, this man with the word at hand, healing didn't come until he stretched it out. Until he stretched out his faith. His discovery was that if I obey this impossible command... There'll be healing. And somewhere in this verse, he believes. And maybe the night you say, Father, I believe, help my unbelief. Father, I believe you're going to save my brother, my spouse. But there's moments I don't. So help my unbelief. It reminds me that Jesus is interested in those areas in our life that are withered, that have been shattered, that have been wrecked. But restoration happens when he stretched it out. And maybe there's been circumstances that have caused you to be paralyzed, unable to move, unable to speak, unable to serve. I pray tonight you would be able to say, God, I gave you my heart, I gave you my life, I give you my mouth. I give you my hands that you would be able to stretch your faith. Start small. Make a move. Maybe next time you come to church, sit in a different place. Could you imagine that? Meet someone new. Make a friend. Extend your borders. Get involved. Start serving. Start praying. Maybe God's saying to end a career. Maybe it's a career change. Maybe God's saying, just be faithful in what I've given you. See, when you stretch your faith, God knows what he's doing. He's fully aware of all those things going on, and he's going to turn it into an opportunity. And in an opportunity, you will see God do the impossible. But as the man put forth effort, God did the rest. Remember, God never commands us to do something that he hasn't enabled us to do. This man simply obeyed. He didn't fuss, fight. He didn't debate. He obeyed. Stretching your faith is not going to be easy. Maybe painful, uncomfortable, maybe challenging. Maybe there's moments where you think, I cannot do this, God. I guarantee he's going to meet you there, and there's going to be a miracle. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says this, But may the God of all grace, who has called you to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, that he would perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. That's what God wants to do as he stretches you. He wants to perfect you. He wants to establish you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to settle you. These are the promises that God has for us if we would simply step out in faith. And stretch out our faith. As I was reflecting a little bit of what the Lord has been doing um, in my own life, I think, and you can attest to this too, you and I are here today because we've stretched out our faith, haven't we? Some of us here, maybe have you grew up in another church, and you're here because you took a, you just stretched out your faith. God, I believe you're calling me here to Calvary Chapel South Bay. That's why I'm here. And some of you have maybe left, and God's brought you back. And some of you, this is, this is, home. This is where you gave your life to the Lord. You are, hearted, you are here today. You are proof that God is real. Do you realize that? Look around you. Look around, guys. Look around. This is proof that God is real. You're living proof of that. And so as I look at this man with the withered hand, And how as as he stretched out his hand, he was obedient to the voice of God. And my prayer, our prayer tonight is, church, let's be obedient to the voice of God. So when he asks us, when he calls us, when he commands us to do things, that you would be able to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And that you would stretch out your hand even though how uncomfortable it may be, and believe a miracle is about to happen. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this time that you've allowed for us to stretch out our faith and to believe, to even believe the impossible. And so as you continue to show us, Lord, more and more what that means to serve you, to follow you, to seek you, God. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are here tonight. I pray, God, in the areas of life that you're stretching their faith. You're, you're causing them to take steps that are maybe uncomfortable and maybe not common. And maybe, Lord, there are things in their life that they're not sure of how they should conduct themselves. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to guide them and direct them and lead them. Thank you, God, that you are so loving. You're so gracious. God, thank you for your love for us. It's immeasurable. We can't fathom it. We, we don't get it. We can't comprehend it, but we know it's true. We thank you, God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. You know, before we end, uh, I just feel compelled. Um, I just want to pray over us as a church. And if you're here tonight and God's calling you to stretch your faith, I just want you to stand just so we could pray over you, lay hands on you. Anyone else that you believe God is saying, I want you to stretch out your faith. I want you to go beyond your limits. I want you to step out in faith and believe that I'm real. Believe that I'm true. Believe that there's nothing impossible for my God. Anyone else? Just amen. Church, if, if you're around somebody who's standing, can you, can you just lay a hand on them that they would sense God's presence? So look around, church. I'm going to have you stretch your faith tonight. <laughs> if you see someone standing, just, just lay a hand as we pray over them. Anyone else? Just look around if there's someone standing. Come on, church. You can move, 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 move. Okay, find someone who's standing. Go just lay a hand on them. And we're going to pray over them and we're going to close out in worship tonight. Amen. Father God, you know those that are standing here today. And God, you're, they're maybe they're wrestling and maybe they're debating and maybe they're contemplating whether to obey, whether to step out in faith, whether to stretch out their hand. God, give them strength, give them boldness, give them courage to do that. I pray tonight, God, if there's anyone, anyone here who has to make a difficult decision, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help them, God. God, if there's some here tonight who are in marriages that are falling apart, but you're telling them to stay, give them your Holy Spirit to help them stay. And God, I pray even now, Lord, if there's anyone here who has an illness, and and God, they're tired and they're weary, and they're wondering if you're gonna come through, God, help them to be faithful to you. Help them to love you, God. Thank you that in the same way that you took this man with the withered hand, you heal. We believe that you can do that. Maybe not in the way that we think, but in the way that you see fit. And so I pray also for my brothers and sisters that they're stepping out in ministry. God, if if you're going to give them a new position in their job, if you're changing things in their family, Lord, help them to be faithful to you. Thank you, God, for this church. Thank you for our brothers and sisters even now. Help them now to walk by faith and not by sight. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.